Um, we have a big announcement today, but first I just want to celebrate and, and talk a little bit about the history of Renew and also us being at the Meridian. We started up five years ago and we were looking at renting a church just down the street and um, it was a beautiful location. We had grown from a little group of 15 to 40 and we were reaching the city doing all kinds of outreaches to share with people that we were starting out a church. I mean literally hundreds of man hours of passing out flyers, doing Facebook invites and exploring the city looking at homelessness and human trafficking and educational systems and really wanting to be a mission team to the city. Well four days before we're going to launch our service and literally again like over 10,000 invitations on Facebook events. I basically locked everyone in a room and we all pressed invite through our friend list, you know? And someone was like, I need to use the restroom. I was like, no. And then we left the Yelp reviews and it was just crazy. We put so much time into it. Four days before, um, there was this violent explosion with our relationship between our two churches and we were homeless. And I remember being devastated and four inches away from a nervous breakdown, wanting to just roll up in a ball and cry and give up. But I had an intern, her name's Katie. She was looking at me with some hope <laughs> in the midst of despair. I was like, I need to be strong for her. And then so I pretended I was fine. And I talked about how Jesus reigns in heaven and, you know, all that. And then we just started scouring the city for any venue that will take us in four days. And we ended up at the Meridian. And then they ended up cutting half of their price point in order for us to stay. And God just gave us a miracle at the Meridian because there's so many things we look for as church planners for a location. It's almost impossible to find all of them. So this is our prayer checklist, right? Storage, 10 a.m. service, um, child care. We have to bring in our own sound system. Uh, chairs able to fit, you know, 200 people. So this met so many of our needs. And over the last five years, there's so many memories and moments that is shared between like all of us and this building. I mean, I look around, I remember our stage being that way and this way and that way again, you know, and the banquets we've had here and um, all the times that we've loitered and it's really become our home. So I, I love this place. I'm so grateful for it. And yet when you live somewhere for a long time, you know, me and my wife, when we got our first apartment, we kind of had that kind of attachment to it. All of our first memories are there. But if you ever um, live somewhere for a long time, people walk in, they see things you don't see, right? Like, hey, it smells like mold. I'm like, no, that's just a homey smell. Or, or that, all that stuff is super old. I'm like, no, it's historic, you know? Um, or your AC's broken. I'm like, yeah, it's broken. So the Meridian has kind of been that, too, for people who have come in and don't have all of this attachment, right? Um, the downstairs parking lot is like a zombie apocalypse, and, you know, um, it smells bad sometimes, the carpet's dirty. And, and the thing that drives me nuts is that the AC's broken. So every summer, I'm yelling at, not really yelling, but I'm, like, sending out angry texts and emails and going downstairs to talk about AC. And every summer, they try their best to fix it, and it, does, it doesn't get fixed. So we're moving into summer. And I was like, I'm going to get super ahead of this. So literally November, 
I'm hand-holding them to fix our AC so that summer we don't die, right? Because every summer we die and then we resurrect again. I was like, I don't want to die this summer. So I keep living. And like, so I matched them with this amazing AC person. Thank you, uh, Rudy, Rudy's friend. Just amazing. If you ever need an AC person, amazing person. And then I'm like scheduling for them. I'm giving them financial options. Like we'll set, we'll set it up like a TI. We'll fix it. We'll front the money, take it out of our rent. I'll split the bill with you if it's under 10000 You know, I'm just, everything short of crawling into the roof to fix it, I've done. And at the end of the day, I just don't think it's going to work out. I don't think they're going to fix it. So I got really frustrated. Um, I walked into our basketball gym. I saw, like, buckets catching rainwater. I'm like, if they're not going to fix the roof, they're probably not going to fix the AC. And then we started, I started looking for other alternatives uh, two weeks ago. So this was very quick. And just praying through this list, I mean, it's so hard to find a place that gives you on-site storage. It is nearly impossible. No church will give us a 10 a.m. slot. 10 miles away is actually a very short radius. Um, children's area, you know, I just dream about having a sound system where we don't have to bring our own sound system. <laughs> you know, we just plug in. I, I pray about, like, not have sitting in chairs with sinkholes, you know, where, like, it's hard to get up. <laughs> I pray about that, AC, you know, affordable. And I, I really believe that God's gifted us a new location. And, and, it, and um, we're still going to do a vote on it because I want all of us to believe that or the majority of us. But El Dorado High School Theater, it is a gorgeous theater. They're giving us storage space, like a, a whole like container, some storage space behind the theater. Uh, we could do a whole, uh, we can have the whole morning slot from like 8.30 to 12.30. It's less than five minutes away. It's literally like five to six minutes away from here. Good Fish is kind of in between this location and uh, El Dorado High School. There's a children's area. The sound system is state of the art. It's almost plug and play. They have in-ears for us. They have lighting. I could return these two lighting things to IKEA, you know? Um, they have chairs. They have chairs without sinkholes. And um, most of our youth actually go to El Dorado, which they may or may not like this idea. But we're really praying that we would be able to build a youth ministry as we're there blessing the school, um, loving on the students. And so here's some photos. It's a $12 million building. I did my research. Uh, only a few years old. This is the front area. There's actually a lobby right past the front area. And then here's the theater. It's a little too big for us, to be honest. But I think what we're looking at is blocking out the whole half section uh, with all kinds of immovable objects um, so people don't violate it. And then the front area is probably about 200 to 250 chairs. And that, I think, is a really great space for our community. Like, even right now, we're pretty full. And I've seen our church over five years kind of hit a cap in our attendance, and because it's hard to go to two services with our size, so much of what we value is kind of being together, that family feel, and to give that up by going to two services is a big sacrifice. But at the same time, we're hitting our cap of 150, and then we come down because people have a hard time finding chairs, visitors are uncomfortable, it's very hard to sit between two people um, in, this, in these seats. And so this really gives us space to grow. I think it's almost a visual challenge for us to grow and to invite friends. And I think if we uh, block out the second section that it will actually be really comfortable. 
They have four projector screens. We, maybe we only use three of them. I don't know. They come down from the ceiling where you could see all the words. Imagine seeing all the words during worship. Imagine that. Imagine if you were to read the Bible verses on the screen. Just use your imaginations. Imagine AC working. So I was talking to uh, Pastor Christy. I was like, okay, what if AC worked here? Will we still want to move? And she said, I can't imagine a world where the AC works. In all of Spider-Man multiverse, no, none of them contain a meridian with working AC. So, um, so I'm just, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, here's, a lo here's the lobby area, and they also have children area. So we can use the basketball gym for CM, or we have choices between two areas of classrooms, okay? So it really, every single thing I prayed for, um, it went above and beyond. Now, there are some concerns. Oh, here's, the, here's where it's at. So there's placentas right here. The next major street is Kramer. And after Kramer, the next major street is Rose. So it's between Kramer and Rose, about one and a half city blocks away. It is, it is extremely local. Uh, Good fish is kind of right between. Oh, there's my house, the blue, the blue dot, in case you want to stalk me <laughs> right there. Take a photo. All right, so here are some of uh, the concerns, if you will. So weekly cost uh, at Meridian is $650 weekly when you break it down, which is an incredible price point. Uh, the theater will probably cost us about 1000 a week, uh, $450 more than this location. But on... When you look at the rental market, uh, for anything above 100 people seating capacity, 1,000 weekly is standard. I've looked at about 50 locations in uh, the surrounding area. Uh, hotels, uh, Holiday Inn, Fortin Hotel. If you want a conference room over 100 people, it's 1,000. If you want to rent out Troy High School Theater, 250 seating with popcorn ceiling, it's 1,000, right? So everything's about 1,000. And so we're, we would probably look at paying $1,000, which also includes two classrooms, but we're getting a lot more for that. Other concerns, um, there, I think there are a very few Sunday conflicts over 2020 where we have to be creative about what we do that Sunday. Um, and, and we're not sure how many there are. She's, the admin I'm working said very few but we're going to look at the calendar. So I'll give you a more accurate count um, in the following weeks. What else? Uh, we, we have a contract with the Meridian until December 2020. I think they broke contract every summer, but we are also breaking contract uh, if we move out early. So that's a conversation I need to have with the owner, okay? And then the third one is that we would need more team members for setup. A children's ministry is going to need a much more um, more help with setup and takedown. Right now we're in empty space. There we'll, we might be in a classroom where we have to move the tables on one side. The storage isn't like right there, so we have to move stuff from the storage to the classroom, even though the storage is on site. Here's our schedule. Again, if, you, if it feels like we're moving fast, we are. I move fast, and this feels faster than I usually move, okay? So I just want to recognize that, but we, we will take time to kind of breathe and soak this in over the next month. And it's also fast because we're trying to avoid summer, right? Like that's the whole point of this. So we're really trying to move, avoid summer here, which kind of starts like in May. Uh, the sauna starts in May. 
And so if we're going to avoid um, the sauna, we might as well try to hit Easter service and build some momentum into this new space. So that's the goal. So Easter will be our grand opening. Our soft launch will be April 5th. And then the timeline just kind of works off of uh, that due date. So over the next two weeks, we're going to do a membership renewal. For all of you who um, have been members at our church, took the class, we're going to do like this really simplistic Google form for you guys to renew that commitment. Next Sunday, we're going to do a field trip to the theater. I'm trying to set it up for early afternoon, but I would love for all of us uh, to go together and just to look at it. I envision like the children's ministry praying over the classrooms, praying over the gym, the worship uh, team worshiping the sound equipment. I mean, praying over the sound equipment and thanking the Lord for that. And then us praying over the, the seats, the host team praying um, as well over the seats in the lobby area. And us just sitting with it and asking the Lord to help all of us discern this uh, together. And then on March 1st, there is a membership vote. So we're looking at a 50% uh, pass. And we want to move with the affirmation of the, of the members as well. Um, for me, again, it felt fast. And the only reason why I accelerated with this timeline is because our staff, uh, our leadership team, and some really core people at our church, the worship leaders, uh, Ken and Chrissy, they all felt uh, really open and, and excited that God is moving us in this direction. That's why I'm willing to work with such a uh, accelerated timeline because of their affirmation. But we want, we want you to have ownership as well. Uh, we want you to pray about whether you believe God is calling us into this new space. Soft opening would be April 5th, um, and then we would do like a launch-Easter service on the 12th. And then we would, if, if we all choose to be there, we would have life and not die in the summer. You know, usually we resurrect in Easter and then death comes in May. So this is going to be fun. Um, you know, when I look at leadership uh, in general, I think about we move into the future um, uh, a way in which we examine whether God wants to move us into a specific future or direction is by looking at the past. Because he's an author, so he strings our past and our future together. And when I look at the past for Renew, when I, as we approach the end of 2019 into 2020, there was this deep sense in my soul that we were moving into a new chapter as a community, a new era, that chapter one was closing out at the end of 2019. 19 and chapter 2 was opening in 2020 and I really felt that as we were working on the rebrand that it wasn't just to update our graphics and to uh, put our vision in front of us which we did that but it was to say there's a new chapter in our community coming and it's coming in 2020. I saw 2019 as a year of pruning that a lot of people made a decision whether uh, God wanted them at this community or in another and both are okay but as 2020 rolled around, there was this deep sense of commitment, alignment, um, the amazing interns and staff and leadership. I just really believe we have a lot to build off of and that um, this is a part of our story. And so I am surprised by this. <laughs> I was surprised you, but I too was surprised, right? And, um, and it felt fast, but it also felt like it was a part of the same thread um, and journey 
that God had for us in, in this next year. So uh, with all that said, I do, I do want to be honest with some of the concerns that I have and to put in front of you. And I do want to move into it from a, a vision and leadership perspective. So it's not like, hey, which one do you guys think is better? It's, hey, we really think that God's moving us here, but we would like you to affirm that. And we do want to submit to that affirmation as a leadership team. Let me pray uh, for this together, and then we'll move into our time in the Word. Father, we come to you this morning, and we just recognize that you build this church, that you've built it from the ground up. Every person here, for me, is an act of grace and a, and a miracle, not of work. Um, yeah, I remember how scared I was to quit my job and ask people to support us, me and my family. I remember each conversation, asking people to join this church that didn't exist yet, um, and all we had was a PDF. And, and then out of that, Lord, you called people here, uh, 15, then 40, uh, then 150, uh, with kids, um, people who are seasoned and people who are young. Um, it's it's a, such a beautiful community, and, and, and I've loved this church from when we were 10 to 30 um, to 100. You know in my heart I've, I've never despised our size. I've never felt discontent um, in our smallness, and I, and I still don't, Lord. I, I really believe um, we, are, we are here and we are um, this community because you've, you've destined us to be here in this community. And yet, I, I am excited about our future. And, and we place that in our, your hands as well. We believe that you're the author and perfecter of our faith, that you are authoring um, this story, and that you are going to lead us. And would you lead us through my voice? But also, would you lead us through the voice of everyone who calls this place home, who's a member here, Lord? We really pray that you would affirm this vision and this future in the hearts of my brothers and sisters in this room, that this is a family decision. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in their soul, that they would ask hard questions to you and to our leadership, and that they would sit in discernment as we um, reside in that space, um, asking that you would be the one leading us. And lastly, I think about Moses, as, as you promised him this beautiful land, but you said, I'm not going to go with you. These people are going to upset me too many times. I'll send you an angel. And Moses, you, and Moses said, he's, he will not leave unless you go before them, unless you go with them. And Lord, we want to make a commitment as well, Lord, that we only want to go because you are going before us. And I pray that we, as a leadership team and as a community, would see your hand of grace and the movement of your spirit before we take one step towards this place, Lord. We want to follow you and not to go ahead of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's a picture of me from a few years ago. Uh, if you notice to, to your bottom left, it's a terrible photo, but also I had gained uh, a good amount of weight uh, those years. And I remember going to a doctor and, and them the doctor saying, hey, like, you need to lose a few pounds. And I was like, dang it, I've never heard that before. And, um, and, I, and it's kind of obvious, right, how you lose weight. 
you stay up really late at night, you watch Netflix, then you take like four ramens, and you just eat ramen. And instead of doing one egg each, you do three eggs. And then you buy a Fitbit, and you try not to go over 200 steps. So every day, you know, you count how many steps you go, and once you hit 200, you make sure you stop using your legs. Of course not. Of course, the most obvious ways to lose weight. Um, and of course, there can be things that are complicated, but we always talk about diet. Uh, you know, your intake, eating healthily, cutting sugar and fat and carbs, and then we exercise. I mean, that's like the most basic way of becoming more healthy when you're struggling with obesity. And yet, at the same time, when I have conversations uh, with Christians about spiritual health, it feels like we don't do the fat the most obvious things. So I've sat with so many Christians over the years, and they'll tell me I'm struggling spiritually. Um, you know, I don't feel close to God. It's been a really dry season. And I'll be like, okay, are you praying? No. Are you reading the Bible? No. Are you going to church? No. I'm like, there might be a, you know, it's like, hmm, there's a few things we could add into your spiritual diet in order for you to gain health. A very obvious things. And, and also when I think about whether it's weight loss or, um, and health or um, spiritual, our spiritual life, the fads don't work. Like Whole30 to me is dumb because <laughs> you, it stops in 30 days, right? Like uh, everything ends in 30 days. And of course you could use it as a launching point, you could use it as a reset, but if you just do it for 30 days and then you go back to ramen and Netflix, you're just gonna gain all the weight back. It's about a lifestyle. It's about how do you move in rhythm that's sustainable. And so for me, when I um, look at my lifestyle in terms of weight uh, and health, I try to count my calories. So I have, you know, fitness pal. I enter what I eat, and I look at the fat content. I do intermittent fasting, probably successfully five days a week, where I, where I stop eating at 8.30, and then I have a coffee in the morning, no creamer, no sugar, and I have lunch, right? So that's my daily rhythm in, in, my, in my diet. And then I have weekly rhythms of exercise. And so every two or three times a week, two if it's a bad week, one if it's a terrible week, three if it's an okay week, I go out to Huntington Beach and I play volleyball, or I have a jump box at home with like Bowflex weights and I do exercises at home to burn calories and keep healthy. And so when we look at, again, our spiritual life, if we want to be healthy spiritually, we need to do it not as a fad, not as a, a retreat can only like, the retreat and the best sermon of your life, besides conversion, I think the only thing and the best thing it can do is point you, right? You're not able to traverse four, 40 miles in a few moments. It takes walking step by step. You're not able to get healthy in a few weeks. But what you can do in these moments on Sunday, what you can do in your own spiritual life in that retreat is to turn to the right direction and then to build rhythms where you're walking forward, right? My, my New Year's resolution to lose, to lose weight and to be more healthy, all it can do is turn me, right? And in one decision, I'm not able to lose 20 pounds. And even if I do, I'll gain it back, right? But I can turn and I can take steps in the right direction. I can build it out. And rhythm is so difficult to build out well. And it's super hard, discouraging in moments. Like 
Yesterday, I kept my calorie count. Uh, I did everything right. I woke up, I gained two and a half pounds. And I was like, this sucks. Like, my fitness pal went like this, you know, super angry. Of course, it's water weight, but I'm still mad. And, um, and, and that's our spiritual life, right? Sometimes we, we read the Bible three times. We didn't get anything out of it. And it, it, it messes with us. But just like living a healthy lifestyle, you, you put together the right rhythms you put together the right diet plan, um, eating plan, and exercise plan, and you just go. You try your best. You fail. You mess up. Some days I, I have ramen and Netflix, and that's okay. But I'm trying to intentionally every day eat well, exercise well, and then in months, in a year, right, for sure you look back and you're, you're healthier. For sure you look back and you get a, you, and you feel more energized and uh, you're less at risk for diabetes, and you can lift more. You're stronger. And in the same way in our spiritual growth, it's not about small moments. That's something, I mean, there's, we're open to the spirit, but that's something I really didn't like about the charismatic church. They put so much weight into these one moments, and I would get super hyped about it, and then I would just see myself go back to baseline, right? A, a healthy spiritual life means that you put rhythms in place and you make those decisions. And sometimes it feels dry. And sometimes you go work out and you feel like you lost muscle mass, like you lifted less than you, were, than you did prior. But if you do it every day, if you're consistent, then you look back in a year, you look back in six months and you see growth. And at the end of the day, this is why we're doing this series, is that we want to encourage you guys to spend time with the Lord, and to build out a rhythm of being with Jesus. And so um, I wanted to, again, do an opening question this morning of what has being with God, God looked like this week. And I hope that we could integrate this into our friendships and into our conversations. I hope that the difference... There's a difference in conversation between the way you talk to your coworkers and people who share the same hobby and your brothers and sisters. And I hope that in small groups, as you guys are asking to pray for each other, that this would be a part of the conversation, not just the events that happened in your life, not just the ups and downs, but how you found God through them. So what has, what has being with God looked like day to day in the week? And what are the rhythms of spiritual growth in your life, right? How, how are you sitting with God? How are you entering into prayer and the word? How, how are you having intentional relationships with other pe believers that are spurring you on? You guys coming out today, that counts, right? Your small group counts. Um, but people, but it, it shouldn't be a mystery if we're not doing the basic things, why we're unhealthy, right? If I'm not, if I'm not working out and eating right, it shouldn't be a mystery why I'm unhealthy, if I'm not paying attention to my wife, if I'm not having dates with her and sitting down, looking her in the eyes, it shouldn't be a mystery why our marriage isn't doing well. And if you're not building rhythm of being with Jesus and growing with him, it shouldn't be a mystery why you feel distant. And of course, there's complications. Like you could have a thyroid problem and do everything right and gain weight, right? Um, and we can look at complicated spiritual times too. But we do, this, the we do the basic things before we look at the complex things. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give us a few minutes, uh, three, four minutes, to talk through this. Uh, make sure you 
uh, look around, include people around you, groups of two or three, and let's just talk about this together, and then I'll come back up and we'll uh, walk through the rest of the sermon. All right, thanks so much, guys, for being uh, sharing, and I would love for you always to um, feel free to continue the conversation, you know, after service and stuff. When we opened this year, we, uh, our staff took bets on what percentage of our congregation uh, was able to stop three times a week, uh, give or take, last year to be with the Lord. Like, that was a priority in our lives, and we were able to do that. So I'm going to ask this first softball question. I'm just talking, I was talking to Lord about this this morning, but how many um, over this last year has said, because we've been going through in, uh, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy spirituality, has said, you know, I've attempted more times with God in silence and solitude and the devotional this year than I did in the past, okay? Raise your hand if that's true. All right, about 10, about, um, as high as you can. Encourage my soul. Okay, maybe 20. Okay, there we go. Um, and how many of you guys, this is a team effort, right? So we're not judging people who didn't raise their hand, but we're all trying to rise as a community. Um, how many of you guys can say that this last year you've been able to stop about three times a week uh, to be with the Lord? Raise your hand. Okay, I want to say we're like five, like five to 10% better. That's not bad. Um, I'm really grateful. And, and, you know, I love this, the dream and the, the way that this uh, facility kind of speaks into what God wants to do in our church. But I would take us growing in this over a facility any day of the week as a pastor. Like nothing, nothing to me is more important than our community having a depth in being with the Lord and in growing deeper with him. So this sermon's about it, about that. But before we do that, I wanted to invite up Hiroko and then Mark, uh, sorry, and then Chris and Maria to share a little bit about how they've been able to integrate this into their life as an encouragement to us. And it's all about trying, you know, like you can't build a habit out perfectly right on, off the bat. I'm, I'm not gonna keep my calories perfectly just because I downloaded an app or keep my exercise routine, but it's about attempting it over and over again until you're able to get there. And so anyways, I hope that these uh, stories encourage you guys a little bit. I'm gonna invite Hiroko up first. Come on up. I half forced her to share today. Only half to. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, let's see. I have your questions here. Happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Check, check, check. So how did you build um, this kind of routine of being with God and, and silence and solitude into your rhythm? Like, where does it fit into your daily rhythm? Okay. So I set the alarm at the beginning mm. right, in the morning. Alarms. And yes, on my phone. And it rings twice a day. <laughs> However, okay, so in the morning, I wake up very early. Mark leaves, my husband leaves, and then I have this me time. So that's when I do it. Um, I go through the stillness, the devotionals, and then I actually do the midday portion together because what happened was the second alarm goes off sometime during my day and I don't even notice it until bedtime. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, like it's over. So, <laughs> and I really like the content of this book, um, and I don't want to miss out on it. So what I started doing is 
I just like follow the whole thing for the morning portion. And then I just read through the second part, just the scripture and devotional. Mm. And then I go into my personal like prayer time, which is more me talking, lifting up, you know, friends and family to the Lord and then just go through my day. Mm. And when I do notice the second alarm go off, that's like this little time. And it could be like a few seconds that I connect with them. Just bring me back to that still place. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yoga, too. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to share that? Yeah, talk about yoga. (laughs) Okay. So, um, okay. Sorry. I'm like, I get nervous in front of people. You don't look nervous nervous. at all. Okay. Really? Okay. Thank you. You seem really (laughs) composed. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Anyways. um, Yeah. So, I do yoga in the morning. And when I wake up, I'm like really tired. Some some mornings, honestly, I'm like trying to do devotions and falling asleep. So some mornings when I'm like really tired, I decided to do like some workouts first and then I go into doing devotions. The stillness has been like always a challenge for me. Like I kind of like drift away my thoughts Mm. before I know I'm thinking about the TV show that we watched the night before or I'm falling asleep, you know. And then one thing that I noticed lately is when I'm like trying to wait for the Lord in stillness, I'm on the couch in a very comfortable position (laughs) and I'm falling asleep. And so, like, with this yoga thing, I noticed, so what I started doing this week is I'm on my yoga mat, on my yoga block, with my back straight, and I'm, like, (laughs) focused on my breath, and it just really helps me to stay in this alert state Mm -hmm. where I'm, like, then more, like, alert and waiting for the Lord and just kind of focused, you know, keep my mind focused. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been helpful. How has it informed the rest of your life, that time? How has it invited God into, like, everything else you do? Mm. I think it is, like, it's so helpful to have this still time. And I was talking this morning with somebody, too, how um, it's just so hard for us to be still Mm. nowadays. And I think especially with the phone, it's so easy to get distracted Mm. all the time. So at first it was, like, more hard this time than in the past, I thought. Um, But once you do that, it's... I don't know. It's like this grounding place. Mm. And so I think whether I notice a second alarm or not, you know, whenever I think about it, it's just nice to go back to that stillness and ground my pl- um, myself in that place and connect with them. Yeah. So. Thank you so much. You did a great job. I was like, I said, Hiroko, you have to come as my friend. Thanks so much, Chris and Maria, for being able to share as well. Really grateful for you guys. <laughs> so how, how, no one likes preaching, uh, speaking, yeah, except yeah. for me. Um, so how have you been able to integrate this into your rhythm? And uh, you talked a little bit about doing it together as well. So we'd love to hear about that. Well, as married people, we have kind of a benefit where we can be in bed together at night. <laughs> and uh, so one of the things I've learned about spirituality is that if your wife is suffering spiritually, it's probably the husband's fault. That's the curse we have. And so I thought if we're going to be accountable to be doing our our offices, it's really incumbent on me. So uh, one of the things I've had us do is we're doing them together, uh, at least one of the two a day, and often it's the only one I do that day. 
but it's what I really have enjoyed about it is not just the time where you know I'm doing the office, but we have a chance to communicate about the the questions it asks. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, a lot of the questions are very introspective, and it helps to have someone who actually knows you, mm -hmm. so you can ask them, "Did I miss anything?" Like, I can't think of anything. And she'll say, "Like, well, what about this?" I'm like, "Okay, well, there's one thing, and what about that?" Okay, maybe there's two. You know how it goes. Uh, so. <laughs> So in so a lot of ways, hours. it's four hours. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, it's been more helpful uh, than just doing it by myself. And I've had, I guess, the, the the fortune to have injured myself this week, so I missed a couple days of work, which really helped me do my daily ones as well on my own. Um, so I was thinking about what to say today, <laughs> and there was a couple of things that came to mind, and uh, I kind of fit with what you talked about, about diet and stuff. So I was thinking, you know, um, some things like um, exercise, you know, you, well, for me, it's, it's not a fun thing and I don't, I dread it, I don't want to do it. But then once I do it afterwards, I feel really good about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so like having this rhythm of meeting with God, it's sometimes it's, it's kind of dreading, it's kind of hard, it's, it is hard, it's not kind mm -hmm. of hard, it is hard. Um, but once you go through it, you really, get so much from connecting with God and you learn a lot from God, yeah. you know. And the other thing is with, uh, about, you know, um, doing it with Chris is that um, uh, you think you know him or you know the person, your partner, your friend, and I think I know him, but, but, when, when <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of things actually came out from our mm. discussion that I didn't realize about wow. him and vice versa. And so with God as well, um, you may be a seasoned uh, Christian and you've known God for a long time um, and you think you know him, hmm. but then when you meet with him and you talk with him and you share with him, you find out a lot of things about him and about yourself. So um, it's been great. So hopefully we can keep up with this rhythm and, and it only benefits us. So, Yeah, thanks so much for sharing. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, Maria. All right, we'll be doing that more often, so I want to encourage you to do it, uh, encourage you to step into your fears of public speaking. Today we're looking at um, different, the core passage we're looking at today is from Exodus chapter 28 to 11, and it's talking about the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Uh, I'll read this passage to you, but as we think about the Sabbath, which is like a 24-hour period marking off a day of the week to, to receive a gift from the Lord, um, I want us to apply all of the things about Sabbath into our daily rhythm as well. Uh, just kind of as a shorter Sabbath, but with the same intentions. Okay, here we go. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you will labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you, will, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, as we look at this passage, it's the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments, and we notice that um, it's, it has the most instruction behind it. If you look at the other commandments, some of them are just really short, you know, quick instructions don't kill someone you know just very straightforward even though you want to do it don't kill them but this one kind of flushes it out so we notice that and the second thing is in, in Judaism um, keeping the Sabbath was how you kept all the other commandments 
think about that. Keeping the Sabbath is out of Sabbathing, we don't covet. Out of Sabbathing, we only worship God. Out of Sabbathing, we do not commit adultery or murder. So Sabbath in that rhythm that God is building out for us allows us to be conscientious to worship and love him and not sin against him. The Jews saw this, saw keeping all the commandments out of keeping the fourth commandment. The next thing I notice is that the Sabbath day is rooted in creation and in the nature of God. Now, when you think about theology and uh, understanding scripture, you have on one side of scripture things that are contextualized, like uh, dietary laws. We don't keep them, the Jewish ones, because we saw it as a commandment for the Jews. And so we're saying it, it's true in this context, in, in this people group, God is commanding this thing for that time period, right? But maybe we switch covenants, uh, we got new instructions, and so there's aspects of Judaism that we don't keep. So that's kind of one side of theology that we have to discern as scholars and readers of the text. The other side of theology is when God roots a commandment in his nature or creation. When that happens, it's there forever. Like you're not, it's, it becomes immovable, I would argue. And there's, there's places in Paul, Paul's writing where he says something and then he roots it in the very nature of God. He roots it in creation. And for me, it becomes immovable. It's not supposed to be contextualized. It's not supposed to be said, oh, this just applies to them, to that specific church. Once you put it into creation or God's nature, it, it remains forever. Because creation is God's intention for humanity. It's the way that everything was supposed to be. It's, it's version 1.0 with no corruption, no sin, no malfunctions. And that's why creation is such an important part of theology as well as, of course, God's nature. So we look at this passage and we realize that in the very nature of God is rest. God rested. And for him, it wasn't this exhaustion thing. It wasn't like, oh, man, that last act of breathing into dust. That was tiring. I need to catch my breath. It wasn't that. Resting to God was stepping back and communing and enjoying and, I would say, playing with creation. Have you thought of God as a God of play? Have you thought of God as a God of non-productivity in rhythm, of rest? Because so much of our mentality is work, isn't it? And in some ways, we can worship the God of work instead of the God of Yahweh or Yahweh. And when we look at the context of this passage, we remember that the Jewish people were enslaved for hundreds of years under Pharaoh. When you're a slave, your whole value comes out of your work. Right? Your value for your masters is all about how many hours you put in, how long you can go to tell, and, and, and doing as much as you possibly can. All of your value reside there. But I imagine that even within the community, you are valued by your production. That the Jews valued each other by what they produced. Because if one person could lift more and do more, if one person could carry more, then you're carrying it for the whole community. But if one person fails and gets sick, if you get weak, if you get tired, then the whole community has to carry it for you. Or you get beaten together. You get less food rations. You get, um, you get less freedom from your slave owner. 
And so you lived in a generation, uh, generations where work becomes your identity. I imagine being a slave in Egypt and Liam, who can now walk, carrying bricks for me so I could carry one less brick. Right? So our family could have a little bit more food so that my wife would not be beaten. So Liam, at three years old, is trying to offload some of that brick load, getting some straw for us. This is, I think, how they were raised. They were slaves. And God breaks slavery by saying, you are to rest. By saying that you are not your work. And that's this gift of Sabbath. It says, six days you, will, uh, you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, to the Lord your God, uh, on it you will not do any work. That he gifts us with an entire day of the week where he says, rest and remember that you are not a slave. That you are not your work. That you are not what you produce. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And we might not be enslaved by any ways the way Israel was, but we can all be slaves to our work, can't we? Some of us were modeled slavery, where everything we did and all of our value came out of the work we produced, where fun and play and rest had no value. They were only necessitated to us out of weakness, but it didn't really give us accolades or or. or uh, it didn't give us uh, the praises of people around us. And so I see us kind of moving into slavery every day. Friends and family go se seven days a week doing re overtime when they don't really need to and never finding rest, never building in a sacred day where they're giving themselves to the Lord. What does not work mean, right? It means putting down your phones, putting your email on auto reply, not lesson planning, not studying, not doing work and saying, God, I'm giving, give, you're gifting me to stay and I'm receiving it. I think it's really difficult because at the end of the day, it's about um, trusting God. At the end of the day, it's saying, God, you're in control. That my finances and my family, that that these things that are most important to me, I don't, it's not ultimately in my hands. Sunday is a reminder to surrender our lives, everything that is important to us, to the hands of God, that he holds it and not us. And we don't have to have a death grip. We don't have to control the outcomes, that it's in his hands. And there's, there was never, it's a, it's a shocking commandment to keep in the face of a country and a society that worships busyness and worships busyness even in rest, right? We often need vacations from our vacations. Like we're busy even when we're resting. And God says, slow down and delight and rest in me. Take a day to take a breath and meet me face to face. And God himself sets that example. God slows down on the seventh day. And he just plays. He plays with the deer. You know, he watches uh, fish swim in the ocean. And he hangs out with us. And I wonder if we have built a rhythm 
of rest in our lives, where, where we're trusting the Lord and receiving his gift. You know, um, there's this really cool story in Israel where they're moving through the desert, and so they're, they're totally dependent on God. They're unable to provide for themselves because you can't plant food and then, like, move, right? You're not able to harvest it. Um, and so as they're traveling in the desert, God gives them manna from heaven. It's like this dew that comes down and bread that God just kind of places all over the floor. So people would go around and pick up bread. And then on the sixth day, God instructs them, pick up double portion of bread. And on the seventh day, just rest. You don't, don't pick up any manna and just trust that I'll have provided enough for you. And, and they do that. And I think, I think about how God is saying, you have to trust me with your work. That I will give you enough in the six days so that in the seventh, you can be with me and rest in me. In the seventh, you can remember that you are sons and daughters instead of slaves. And lastly, we think about Sabbath in the way that we bring Sabbath to others. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons and daughters, your male or female servants, your pets, right? Or any foreigner residing um, in your towns. That if we do have a job on, on Sunday or on our Sabbath, it's to give rest to others. It's to give them, gift them with Sabbath as well. If you have people who are under you, uh, if you're an employer, how do you gift a day so that people... Can, can be with the Lord, can worship their God, right? Um, how do we as families separate a day out so that our family can be with the Lord and worship him and play with each other? And so we're gifting Sabbath to each other. The worship team is gifting Sabbath to you, right? The children's ministry is gifting Sabbath to the parents, which we're really thankful for. The host team is gifting you with chairs so that you can sit down. We gift each other Sabbath. Now, we're just going to go really practical here because I think Hiroko, um, you know, they, she did a really smart thing where she put her rhythm, her daily rhythms into her iCal. If we don't put it into our calendar, we're not going to do it. If we don't put it into our calendar, it's often not a priority for us. So how do we put a 24-hour period, our Sabbath, into our calendar? And it's going to look different for all of us, right? what 24 hours we're able to carve out. For most of us, it will probably be Sundays. For me, it's a, it's a Monday because today's my crazy work day because uh, I'm gifting Sabbath to you, hopefully. And um, so Sunday morning, I wake up, I get Liam ready for school, and then I play. I play volleyball. I play it so hard. I love volleyball so much, right? So I'm out there at 9 a.m. I play till 12, and then I come home, and then I... Uh, and I sit at the beach, and I just enjoy the beauty of creation. I just sit with the Lord. And then me and Jonathan hang out, and we sit together, and we share our lives with each other and point to God and pray for each other. And then in the afternoon, we find a way to hang out with family. We go to a park, or we have uh, dinner together. We watch some TV. It's a time for us to relax with each other, to enjoy what God's placed in front of us. It's really sad to see um, parents work so hard for their kids and then miss them, right? Miss them for years. God is saying that I'm gifting you a day to be, to enjoy my blessings, 
to not work for them, but just to enjoy them. And I think the most difficult thing is trusting Jesus in that day. That's the hardest part. And I think we should, but we should see it as a trust issue. What is, what is it that we're not trusting Jesus with on our Sabbath? What is it that we feel like we need to hold in our hands instead of give to him? And secondly, what does, date, what does a daily being with Jesus look like? Where can we place two times in our schedule this pausing to be with God? You know, again, if we want to be healthy, it's not a once-a-year thing. It's not even a once-a-week thing. It's a daily thing. So how can we spend time enjoying Jesus and trusting him, putting all of our burdens at his feet, seeing him face-to-face and saying, God, this is the best part, the best gift of my day. Uh, this week, for me, I think the easiest way for me to integrate, and it's going to look different for all of us, my time with the Lord, is to place it in something I'm already doing, right? So maybe you're already uh, using the toilet twice a day for 30 minutes. Like, integrate your time. Like, just add it onto that, right? I take baths. I like taking baths in the morning. I know it's weird. Uh, I didn't know it was weird until someone said, only five-year-olds take baths. Um, so I love it. And I'll just spend like 30 minutes there. And then now I'm just integrating that uh, as my time with the Lord. I bring my devotional book there. I sit in silence there. Um, and then the second time of the day, I usually open up my laptop for something, usually a work thing. And I say, okay, let me spend five minutes with the Lord before I open my laptop. And then every Sunday I'm up at 530 um, doing like prepping my sermon. So integrating silence and solitude and praying for you in my sermon prep. And then this last week, I woke up around 5.30 twice and just, like, washed dishes for my wife uh, to win her over. And then, um, and then sat with the Lord as well, trying to do a few extended times with the Lord um, um, beyond the, the five, ten-minute thing. Okay? So what does that look like for you to open up your iCal if you feel led by the Spirit, if this is a priority for you? And say, God, I just want to find two stops in my daily schedule to be with you. And I want to carve out a day as, as best as I can to focus on you and, and to enjoy the things that you have placed in front of me. Uh, I'm going to do a quick prayer for us. The worship team's coming up. We're probably going to go 10 minutes uh, late today. But I really want us to, to take out our phone and to put this in. And for me, again, it's not about perfectly keeping diet. I break my calorie count a lot. It's not about perfectly uh, hitting all my workout routines. But it's about attempting over and over again and seeing those attempts turn into habit and rhythm and seeing those rhythms ultimately uh, transform, right, um, my health, transform my marriage, and also transform my walk with the Lord. Father, we're so grateful for today. Um, and if there's one thing I pray over this church, is it's really not the AC, even though I think about that a lot too. It's that our church would love being with you. Because if we build, whatever dreams we pursue and whatever we build outside of being with you and loving you, it's going to collapse. Uh, our life, our ministry, it won't hold up. I pray, Lord, that there would just be this deep love of being with you in this community. That we would love your face. That we would love seeking you. 
that we would love your voice, Lord. Um, I pray for my brothers and sisters that it's, it's not about legalism. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's not about work. I mean, this is supposed to be resting, <laughs> anti-work. Um, I pray that it would be like receiving gifts every morning, every week, that we receive this gift of rest and play and being with you, and that it would enrich the rest of our life. It would allow us to see you everywhere, God. Um, work with us on our calendars. Work with us in our day to have you be the one thing that we need, as you told Martha, that sitting with you would be the one thing that we need, that loving you would be the commandment we keep above and before and, and inform all the other commands, that we would love you, God, that that's what this would be about. In Jesus' name. I just wanted to give us two minutes, again, to look at our phones, to look at our, our, our iCals, and to put these things in. I think that's the best thing that can come out of today for us. Can we go back to that last slide, Mark, with the questions? And let's just do this together. <laughs>